All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew chapter 28, and I'd like to preach this morning on the purpose of the church. I know this is something I've preached on in the past, and, uh, and, and we know that a church is defined in Scripture as an assembly uh, of saved baptized believers that have joined together in like, in like faith, in like mind, and like spirit. And, and that's the definition of a church. And I know I've preached in the past on uh, what is the purpose of a church, and I'm sure that I will preach in the future on what the purpose of the church is. Uh, but I want to look at some more uh, practical things that a church does. Uh, one of the things, we know this, uh, in the past, I preached this message, this is the outline, this is kind of the idea of the purpose of the church, and that is to evangelize the lost, to educate and edify the saved, and to exalt the Lord. Uh, that's really the primary purpose of the church. Uh, but I, I've been looking in Scripture and just kind of thinking about the church a lot, and, and really the church serves many purposes, and they all fit under one of those three categories, okay? So we're not, we're not branching out from there, uh, but rather these are more specifically designed elements uh, that a, a church will actually uh, do as we look at this. So go with me to Mark chapter number 28. We're going to start here, of course, uh, as the foundation, and... Uh, uh, we'll bounce around a little bit in the Bible, but Mark chapter number 28, verse number 19, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of of the world. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the message. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for the privilege that we have to gather in your house. And God, thank you for the liberty that we have that allows us to meet openly and allows us to meet uh, and praise your name and sing songs and preach your word. Father, thank you for the liberty that we have to be able to gather. God, I pray that you would use me I pray, Father, as we look at the purpose, really, of the church, uh, I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts as only you can. Help us to see, uh, really, the function and the design of the church. And, Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And, God, will give you the honor and glory uh, for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As I think about the church, uh, I, I do think this, I read this this week, that many times people think, well, you know, uh, or maybe you've heard this phrase, people will say, I'm against organized religion. Have you ever heard that phrase? Uh, but in all reality, if you think about it, Jesus organized the church in the beginning, and so if you're against organized religion, then you're really against what Jesus organized. And so uh, that really doesn't fall into play, uh, lining itself with the Bible. And so uh, Jesus organized the church and, and set up the church, and so uh, certainly we should not be against a, a church or the organization of a church. We started out here in our text in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 and the first uh, purpose and, and I want to look at this on a practical scale. Of course we know this uh, on the idea of evangelizing those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to look at it this way. The propagation 
of the gospel. That's the church's primary function, uh, that we got to, we must be getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. And I want to look at this on the idea of, hey, how does the church uh, get this idea, or how does this church get this fulfilled? As we think about Matthew 28, uh, Jesus was there with his disciples, what I believe is the very first fledgling of the church, per se, and, and, uh, and, and so he gave them, we call this the Great Commission. And he says there in verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and of course, that is getting the gospel to the entire world. And, and as we think about that, uh, I thought about this. Listen, our outreach of our church. Now, I'm not trying to be trite and I'm not trying to be uh, sarcastic by any stretch of the imagination, but, but really, how many people went out and bought tracks this week? You, you, didn't get, you didn't go back there, you actually bought them. I, I, I don't buy them. I don't, honestly, I don't remember the last time I purchased tracks or received tracks. You know what I always have done? Even when I traveled to areas and, uh, and I was a guest preacher and I was going here and there, you know what I did? First thing I did was I found the church's track rack because I thought, you know, I'm in this area. What good does it, give them, what good does it do to give them a, a church track from Ohio uh, and say, well, you know, that's where I go to church. Uh, no, I wanted to give them the gospel with a local church address that they could say, well, that's, you know, that's the place that I want to go. That's the place that has the gospel. And, and so as we think about the propagation of the, the gospel, hey, listen, we have lots of opportunities in our church uh, to do things like that. Uh, one is, is canvassing. We tend to do those more in the summer months, but we go out and we hit streets and we try and get the gospel in the doors. Another ministry that we've done more so recently is new move-in letters. By the way, I think within probably the last two or three weeks, every time we send out new move-in letters, we get telephone calls. Some of them good, some of them not so good. But you know what? The gospel is going out. You know what that tells me? People are getting the mail they're opening up those letters and they're reading them. And, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised when somebody's bothered because they get mail from the church. You know how much junk mail I throw away every week? I don't call the car lot, the mechanic, the roofer, and every one of them and tell, listen, take me off your list. Don't send me any more of your garbage. You know what I do? I just file it. I'm done. But I'm just saying we have, we, we have all these opportunities to get, what is that hubbed around? Hey, listen, that's hubbed around the church, that the church would get the gospel up. What about this, uh, the, the visiting, you know, regularly going out and visiting on our, our van route or our Sunday school classes and things like that. It's an outreach. Or when you uh, invite your neighbor to come to church, those are outreaches. And listen, that serves a purpose within the church to get the gospel to our Jerusalem. We encourage you in our church, carry around gospel tracts. I encourage you to have them in your pocket, carry them around with you, take them to work, give them to the uh, grocery store clerk, give them to the gas station clerk, give them out. Why? Because people need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our responsibility, to propagate the gospel. Uh, not just that. I was thinking about propagation of the gospel, and I thought about this, missions and missions giving. 
And I thought, you know, how many of us, and I don't want you to raise your hand, this is just a rhetorical question, but really, I mean, did, did you seek out a missionary and did you financially support a missionary on your own? The chances are no, we don't do that. Are you kidding me? I, how, where would you start? Where would you run into a missionary? The fact of the matter is we bring, lo- we bring missionaries into our church and then we collect money that, that, listen, collectively, praise the Lord, our missions giving was up this year. 7%. You know what that means? It means, hey, we'll be able to take on another missionary. We'll be able to pick up some new works. We'll be able to do more things right now as it stands. Think about this. Our ministry, Anchor Baptist Church, reaches out and, and we hit Columbus, Ohio, Utah, uh, Oklahoma, Heartland Baptist College there, Canada, South Korea, Puerto Rico, Argentina, Papua New Guinea, uh, Togo, West Africa, Ukraine, Germany, Palau, uh, and there's another island out there that I I could not think of the name of for the life of me. Uh, But I'm just saying, you know what? We're getting the gospel out. How's that done? That's hubbed around the church. Because the church is responsible to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And these are ways that we can do that. Listen, I in and of myself, I couldn't support all those missionaries to all those places. It wouldn't be possible. But as a church, it's something that we do collectively to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. Why? Because, listen, the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. There's no other way. Uh, And so we want people to understand uh, that he is uh, the way of salvation. We want that taught in Togo, West Africa. We want that taught in Papua New Guinea. We want that taught in South Korea. We want that taught in Ukraine. We want that taught right here in Massillon, Ohio. Hey, we have got to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. It's our responsibility. And so the very first thing, and of course we have to cover that, is the very first thing that our church does is the propagation of the gospel. But I want you to think of this as well. The purpose of the church. Hey, listen, it's a place of praise. Not only is it to propagate the gospel, but it is a place of praise. Go with me to Colossians Chapter number 3 and verse number 16. Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter number 3 and verse number 16. And the Bible says this. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hey, listen, we are, by Scripture, we are to uh, praise the Lord by song. And listen, can you do that in the week? Yeah, you, you can do that in the week. But I tell you what. There's, there's just something about getting together with other people, and I've said this many a times, and hearing everyone else sing. Uh, and I enjoy that. And, uh, and man, uh, being able to collectively praise the Lord as I was thinking about it, uh, boy, you don't, you don't really get this, uh, you know, in your living room. It's not the same. I remember during uh, COVID, 
We were all shut down. We were at home, and, and we, our church service was online, and, and, uh, and we had the song service, and we tried to sing and, and, uh, as a family. And, and, and while it was okay, and we have a larger family than most, I don't know how many kids were at home during that time, but uh, we, had, we had a few more kids and, and, uh, at home, and, and we'd sing, but man, it, it was not the same as coming to church. It, it just wasn't. And, and I missed being able to hear everyone sing the songs. I remember one time uh, we, had, uh, uh, we had that call-in program and I was still running it off my phone at home and, and I, I had set it up and, and it was running, but I forgot to shut my microphone off on my, on my phone. So everyone who called in that service was hearing my, my pitiful family sing. And I was like, Sing to the, us boys, it was Mike and I, can out-sing you girls. I mean, we were, I was just trying to get them to sing. I'm like, I want our neighbors to hear us singing, you know. I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want them to know that we're worshiping the Lord in here. And so we were singing, and, and I think the dog fell off the couch or something, and everyone erupted into laughter. And, and, and the next day, I got a call, and they said, Pastor, um, the call on, we could hear everything that was going on in your family. It's like... Of all the crazy services to have uh, the call on left on. But I'm just saying, man, praise the Lord. When we come to church and we sing the hymns and, and what a blessing to be able to hear one another sing and what a blessing to be able to spend time one with another. One of my favorite hymns that we sing is uh, to God be the glory. Boy, what a great song. Man, because why? Because we're edifying the Lord. And we're lifting up his name. Hey, there's something about getting together with other believers and praising the Lord. It's contagious. We're going through the book of Revelation. And how many times have we seen, and we'll see it again, where, where one person says, praise the Lord. Boy, and, and a whole eruption takes place where everyone falls on their face and they worship God and they start praising the Lord. Why? Because, hey, praise is contagious. When you see somebody else praising the Lord and when you see somebody else singing with the joy of the Lord in their heart and, and, and trying to uh, praise the Lord, hey, listen, it makes you say, man, I want to do that too. It's contagious. And I'm just saying that we are to praise the Lord. And one of the purposes of the church is to be able to get together and praise the Lord. Go to Psalm 33 with me. Psalm 33. There's lots, of, there's lots of things in the Old Testament about praising the Lord. But Psalm 33, verse number 1, the Bible says this, Psalm 33, 1. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud voice. And it goes on, but I'm just saying, hey, there is verse after verse after verse in the Bible that talks about singing together in the congregation of the Lord and being able to praise the Lord. Hey, listen, the longest book of the Bible the book of Psalms. It's a song book that renders praise to God. The longest chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119. It is a psalm that uh, renders praise to the Word of God. And I'm just saying that, hey, when we get together, man, there's nothing like being able to praise the Lord 
together. We're talking about practical purposes of the church. It is a place of praise. And and we ought to praise the Lord. Uh, It says there in Psalm 33 in verse number 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. Hey, we have all kinds of reason to be happy in the Lord. We could go through list after list after list of things that the Lord has done for us and how God has blessed us and how God has saved us and he's changed us. And I'm just saying that we ought to praise the Lord and and praise certainly cheers the heart, uh, makes you joyful. Um, You you just can't you can't sing. Well, I've seen some people uh, sing some songs pretty long facedly. And you're like, wait a minute. You gotta, you gotta smile. You gotta make it uh, joyful. You know, it, it's gotta be something. You gotta let your face know that that you're singing these songs, and and we gotta praise the Lord in a joyful way. Listen, not only that, but praise God with testimony. I mean, uh, when we testify one with another, just by your presence and just the fact that you're here, hey, is a testimony to other people. And, and just that you're here is like saying, hey, praise the Lord that you're here. And, and, and man, I made it through the week and I made it to church on Sunday. And, and, and when we start to talk with other people, hey, you know what God did for me this week? And we, we praise the Lord for what he has done. Hey, listen, that's an encouragement. Let me ask you this. Some of you may work with Christian people, but by and large, do you get to praise the Lord at, at work during the week? Probably not really. And even if you do, it's probably not a lot. And and really on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, unless you come to midweek service and and Thursday and Friday, there's not a whole lot of praise opportunity. It's not like at your workplace they're having an opportunity to praise the Lord and to sing gospel hymns and, and things like that. And I'm just saying it's unique to the church. Uh, it doesn't happen in other places. And so the, the church is a place uh, to propagate the gospel. It's an opportunity that we have to be able to join together, to be able to work together, to see the gospel go to the, uh, our local area and then around the world as well. It is a place of praise that we can gather together and we can sing the songs and we can praise the Lord. I want you to notice this. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And I want you to notice this, and this is an important one. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse number 15. The Bible says this. We'll start in verse number 14. Of course, Paul is writing to uh, young Timothy in the faith, and, and we know that in 1 Timothy. And look with me in verse number 14. The Bible says this, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. And then look at what he says, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And he's saying, hey, listen, that the word that the, the church is the pillar and ground 
of the truth. Not is it just a place to propagate the gospel, and it ought to do that. Not is it just a place to praise the Lord, and it ought to do that. But it is also the pillar and grounds of the truth. And as we look at this, and as we think about this, uh, for, for a few moments at least, I want you to realize, I've been reading through the New Testament, of course, and, and I'm almost done uh, trying to get through the New Testament here in the month of January. But as I read through it, there is time and time again where, where all kinds of false information is being given out. And, uh, and one of those false informations that they're trying to stay on top of, it, especially throughout the book of Acts, is there were a lot of people that were saying, well, Jesus is not the Christ. And they had rejected Jesus as the Christ. And others were saying, well, you have to live under the Jewish religion to be saved. And, and there were all kinds of misinformation that was being tossed around. And so much of the New Testament deals with that as Paul is clarifying, listen, we're not to live under the law of the Old Testament. Hey, we are to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he is the one that died on the cross and rose again from the dead and he did it so that you and I could be saved and he certainly did and when you come to the end of the Gospels matter of fact, I almost find it funny because it says I believe it's in the book of Matthew if I'm not mistaken, it says and, uh, and, and many people uh, they, they tried to convince everyone that Jesus didn't raise from the dead and that the disciples stole his body. And the Bible says that they paid money to the guards to, to spread that lie. But everyone knew it. And, and, and what were they trying to do? Spread misinformation. They were trying to falsify information that Jesus was not the Christ, that Jesus did not raise from the dead. There's a lot of information about salvation. Is it this way or is it that way? Hey, listen, the Bible's very clear that the church is the pillar and grounds of the truth. Can I tell you this morning, though, there are a lot of, I have to say it this way, churches that don't have the truth of God. They have a form of religion, but they deny the power of thereof. And the book of Timothy talks about that. And, and listen, they're very religious, but they're not talking about salvation. And, and, and there's all kinds of crazy things that are out in this world. Hey, listen, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. We just came through Christmas. We love Christmas. I love Christmas. And, and I love it because we're reminded of the fact that God himself came to this earth and took on uh, the form of a human being. He didn't start there. He started all the way back in the beginning. We don't even know when he started because he's eternally in the past and eternally in the future. He's God. But he was born on this earth as a person and lived a sinless life and did all of that. And he died on the cross. Why? Not because of his own sins, but rather to take our sins upon himself and take our punishment upon himself. And he died on that cross and then he rose again. The Bible says on the third day and he did that so that you and I could be saved. I love Christmas because we're reminded of that. 
And many people do not know that. And even in Bible times, they were very confused by that. And Paul goes over the gospel in the book of Romans and over the gospel in the book of Corinthians and over the gospel in the book of Galatians and over the gospel over and over and over. Why? Because there was so much information that it was confusing to everyone. Listen, the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And the early apostles and Paul constantly reassured us that Jesus is God. You go through and you read the New Testament and you'll find unequivocally that, hey, Jesus Christ is God. Uh, and Jesus Christ did die on the cross and that is the only way of salvation. There is no other way. You'll find out the truth about Jesus Christ as you read the New Testament. Hey, and listen, it's the church's responsibility to proclaim that. Listen, you're not, hearing, you're not likely hearing that at work on Monday. You go all week long, you're not going to hear that at the grocery store. You're not going to uh, go to this place and find that out or, or other places. Hey, listen, it's the church that is responsible to teach the truth of the Word of God. And we find the truth about Christ, not only the truth about Christ, but listen, the truth about creation. Hey, listen, this world, uh, this world probably about 40 or, or maybe 60 years ago, man, they, they, they swapped out our education and they started teaching people, oh, you know, we all came from monkeys. And, and, uh, and they started buying into this whole philosophy of evolution and uh, started teaching it wholeheartedly in our schools. And then they scratch their heads and they say, I wonder why our kids don't behave. Well, you took God away from that. There's no absolutes. There's no creator. And so therefore, there's no responsibility. And, and they've, they've messed everything up. Listen, uh, the government and the school systems were never named as the pillar and ground of the truth. The church was named as the pillar and ground of the truth. And the Word of God is very clear. The Bible says right in the beginning, uh, in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Uh, I love the fact that they don't spend any time trying to prove that there is a God. The Bible, Bible just knows God is. And within the first three verses, it comes out, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, preacher, you believe that? Yes, I believe that. God said it. Why would I have any reason not to believe it? Because a bunch of educated men got together and said, you know, I'm going to, uh, I think that it, maybe it fit this way with God. No, God stated emphatically in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And listen, it's very clear that God created everything that exists. Hey, let me just go on for a moment and say this, because it goes on in Genesis 1:27, and it says this, so God created man. Man in his own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female created he them. And I'm just saying, our world is so messed up in everything from creation. Once you get rid of a creator, well, then you can, you can choose whatever gender you want to be. There's no rules. There's no end in sight to the, to the utter confusion that comes down the line because there's no line to hold. The Word of God is our line. 
And he clearly gives it to us and he clearly tells us, hey, the, the church is the pillar and grounds of the truth. And listen, we have a responsibility to hold to the Bible and, and I unequivocally say the King James Bible. That's what we believe. That's what we stand for. And listen, when we get away from the word of God, then, then what is the standard? And, and what is to say this is wrong? Uh, there's a, I, I, never, I never recommend movies hardly, but this one I would recommend, and it's called Time Changers. It's an older movie, yes, but if you look it up and if you ever watch it, you know what they do? They say, well, you teach kids not to lie. Well, why do you teach kids not to lie? Well, because it's wrong. Well, who said it's wrong? Well, they get away from uh, the idea of the Bible says it's wrong. They get away from the idea that God says it's wrong. And then there's no final authority and there's nobody to determine what is right and what is wrong. And that's kind of the gist of the whole movie. The reality is God states what's wrong. God states what's right. And we need to adhere to the word of God because, listen, the church is the pillar and grounds of the truth. Hey, listen, the world is out there. They are putting all of this stuff out. Listen, we're going to stand in the wind and say, listen, thus saith the Lord. That's what's been going on for years. The world has, we ought not be surprised that the world goes against the word of God. That's not new. It's been happening for years. It's been happening for thousands of years. Matter of fact, it's been happening since, uh, really, since the Garden of Eden, when, uh, when the devil really went against the Word of God and, and deceived Eve there in the Garden. And I'm just saying it's not a new tactic, but the church is the pillar and grounds of the truth, and we need to stand on what is right. And just as was in the adult Sunday school class this morning, listen, we don't have to be rude and crude about it. We ought not waver either on our faith. We know what is right. We know what the Word of God says. Hey, listen, this world, it, it, and even churches today, man, they are sliding to the left. Last time I checked, pillars don't move. Last time I checked, grounds don't move. They, they ought to stay. They ought to remain where they're at. And, and I'm just saying that, uh, that we are the pillar and grounds of the truth. God is the one that said that, not me. And, and listen, um, we, ought to, we ought to stand for the truth of Christ. We ought to stand in the, about, with the truth about creation, that God created us. Go with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're right there, close. 2 Peter chapter 3. And listen, there's the truth about his coming as well. We're talking about the pillar and ground of the truth. And there's so much. I could, you could go through the whole Bible and go time after time after time. Listen, that's, that's what we try to do. We go through the Bible. We teach the Bible. We teach the Bible in Sunday school class to the little kids, to the older uh, kids, to the, uh, the young adults, the adults, and, and to all the people. Why? Because the Word of God is important. And then we preach it on Sunday morning and preach it on Sunday night and preach it again on Wednesday. Why? Because there's so much in the Word of God that, listen, we need to learn it and stand for what the Word of God says. Look with me in Second Peter chapter number 3 and look with me in verse number 3. 
We find the mockers that are out there. The Bible says this, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they, are, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's saying there in verse 3 that, hey, in the last day, scoffers are going to come. Hey, you talk about the Lord coming. When's he going to come? I mean, everything just continues and, 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 and we're looking for it, but we don't think it's going to happen any longer. And, and people will scoff at what the Bible says. I'm just saying the truth about his coming is that he is coming. He made a promise that he is and he is coming. And, and, and soon, hey, there, there's nothing keeping him from coming. It could be today. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now. We really don't know when he is coming, but we know this. He is going to come. He made a promise. And the truth of the matter is he will come again. Bible is very clear about that. John 14, he said, uh, I go into my father to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. He made a promise that he's going to come. He's going to return. He's going to be here. When? Well, I don't know. We don't have a day. He did not give us a time. He did not give us an hour. But we know this. Hey, we're still preaching that he is coming. He's going to come. And listen, I want everyone to prepare. That's why he says there uh, in verse number nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. In other words, God didn't lie about his coming. He is coming, uh, but he's long suffering. The Bible says to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, listen, why is God delayed so long? You look at the wickedness that goes on in the world. You say, well, you know what? Maybe he wants people to be saved. Maybe there's just one more that needs to trust the Lord as their own personal Savior. Maybe there's others. Maybe there's hundreds more. We, we don't know, but I know this. He's long-suffering, and he wants people to be saved. The truth concerning his coming is he is coming. And the church is the pillar and grounds of the truth. And listen, that all comes from the Word of God. There's, there's many, many churches out there that don't teach the Word of God. They're off in the bushes on the left. They're off in the bushes on the right. And, and they're all over the map. But I'm just saying that, listen, the church ought to be the pillars and grounds of the truth of God. Hey, the truth about Christ, the truth about creation, the truth about His coming. And he is coming. 
The church ought to propagate the gospel. They ought to praise the name of, of God. And they ought to be the pillar and ground of the truth. There's, there's many more. We'll likely look at some more next week. But I'm just saying, those are some of the practical purposes that the church fulfills. And we need the church, to be honest with you, because we can't do those things on our own. God didn't intend for us to do them on our own. He didn't, he didn't go to each one of you and say, hey, I want you to reach the whole world. Well, yeah, that'd be rough. How would you do it? But it's given to a church. And a church has that responsibility to reach the world with the gospel, to praise his name collectively, and to be able to uh, be the pillar and grounds of the truth. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I don't know the Lord as my own personal Savior. Listen, the most important message is where will you spend eternity when you die? That's the most important thing. The Word of God is very clear Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way. There's no church that can save you. There's no works that can save you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save your life and change you. And he wants to. And he asks you to call on him for salvation. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And listen, it goes on and it says, For whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved. There's no mention of joining a church. There's no mention of getting baptized. There's no mention of good works. It is calling on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. Maybe you're here and you've never been saved. Why don't you put your faith and trust in Him? That's the most important message that you'll ever hear. And listen, maybe you say, well, I, I want to be saved. And in a moment, we're going to have an invitation and the piano is going to play and everyone's heads are bowed and everyone's eyes are going to be closed. And I'd invite you to come forward and we'll take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. There's no greater decision than that right there. Being pre prepared for all of eternity. Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. God, I pray that you would help us. God, is, I pray that you'd speak to each and every person that's here. And God, as a church, I pray that you'd help us to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. I pray that you'd help us to praise you in song and in life and in testimony. God, I pray that you'd help us to be the pillar and grounds of the truth like we ought to be. Stand for the truth of the word of God. 
Father, we'll thank you for that. God, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, that you would show them their need for salvation. God, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, if God just spoken to your heart, the altar is open. Maybe you're here and you'd say, well, I don't know the Lord as my personal Savior, but I'd like to. I'd love to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. The Bible tells us that very clearly. You can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. As the piano plays, the altar's open. You're welcome to come and pray at the altar. If you're interested in salvation, if you're interested in being saved, let me know. You can come down front. We'll not embarrass you. We just want to take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity.